You are listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. Time for another episode of Digital Noise, where I get together with one of my buddies, and, who I have forced to watch a stack of sometimes shitty movies, and uh, we talk about those home releases. Joe being my latest victim. Yeah, I, I, you know, the frequency of the shitty movies seems to be increasing. <laughs> it's not my fault, man. I just give you what they send me. Uh, it's funny, Aaron keeps going as one of the other guys. Like, man, I keep getting lucky with these stacks. I'm like, honestly, I try to do them in order. Like, you know, Joe, mm-hmm. John, Aaron, Joe, John, Aaron. And it's just the way that that has played out. It's like, <laughs> fuck. Plus, he's one of those guys like, I'll watch as many as you give me so I can give him like 12 movies. And mm-hmm. like a week later, he's like, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> Must have a lot of great quality time on his hands. Right? Well, anyway, uh, this show, as all the shows on oneofus.net, are brought to you, well, by you, the subscribers. Thank you so much, subscribers. You are the reason why we exist. If you're like, what are subscribers? I just found this podcast. I'm listening to it for free. What does money get me? Well, money gets you this show continuing to come out for free. That's among true. With all the other shows. That, I mean, really, subscribers, you're the reason why uh, we're able to do this at all. It's a lot of work. I mean, just this podcast alone is more work than most people do on one podcast, and yeah. I do like eight or nine. So, <laughs> well, the amount of push-ups that one has to do for one of these shows is pretty ungodly, and and our union rep is going to talk to you about that. Well, you know, I'm sorry, I just can't record with somebody who's not cut. It's just the way it is. <laughs> it's it's vanity, Christopher. <laughs> yeah. Well, I need somebody who's got like a body for radio. So. <laughs> Anyway, uh, yeah, there's lots of extra bonus shows uh, on various tiers by the various tiers that you can pay for as a subscriber. Please consider being a subscriber. Also, thanks to our sponsor, Oscar Blues Brewing Company, located with uh, with four brew pub locations, as well as places where they can and what have you. One here in Austin, it's luckily almost walking distance to my house. It is. I can smell the booze on you. How can... Well, that's because you're sitting next to the beer fridge. Oh, and because I <laughs> spilled it on myself. Uh, and uh, one, in, one in North Carolina and two in Colorado. You should go check those guys out. They're delicious beers, and they were the first craft beer company in the world... To put their beer in a can. And I thank them for it because cans stack way better than bottles. They do. They're much more convenient in many, many different ways. And light fastness. Uh, yes. Uh, their first beer was D- uh, Dale's Pale Ale, which is still kind of a classic, but they have all kinds of flavors out there. Please check them out and tell them that one of us died. Are they 1050? Uh, no. Huh. They have huh. a lot of beers that aren't necessarily available at every location. Uh, uh, okay. Hold on, what ten fifty? Right, maybe yeah. it sounds familiar though. Uh, the can kind of looks like a like a sky album or something. Uh, ten fifty imperial. Yes, that is the there. 10 we go Im- imperial stout. Ooh, I, which oh, not I like them had, guys. Had yet they have a death by coconut. I really like that. Which oh, is I like hate a, coconut though. Yeah, I'm not normally a coconut <laughs> fan either, but whatever reason, it's like a toasted coconut porter, and it's really good. Okay, I think okay. what it is with me with coconut coconut is the texture. So if it's just yeah, flavor, it's, it's pretty it's gross. Good. Yeah, <laughs> gross texture. Anyway, let's go on to what we're here for, which is to do the reviews and. uh Seemingly appropriately, our first title this week takes the name of my co-host, or maybe he took the name of a... Uh, yeah, I'm named after Peter Boyle. Yeah, yeah his <laughs> character in this film that I was totally unfamiliar with, but apparently is considered to be kind of a classic called Joe. Yeah. Uh, directed by John G. Avildsen. I'm probably pronounced that wrong, but who was an Academy Award-winning director. He won for Rocky in 1977, uh, but he did quite a few movies along the way, um, including the first three Karate Kid films as well. But Joe is one of those movies that people like to talk about in the same sense as movies like Straw Dogs, mm-hmm. where it was those films that like you can see taking it out of context, going like, what the fuck, movie? <laughs> Uh, instead of saying, well, yeah, it was trying to very teach a very harsh lesson in a very harsh way. Yeah, I, I was really hoping that he was, he was, this was the origin story for his, uh, Everybody Loves Raymond character. Mm. I, I think it actually is supposed to be that. There was supposed to be a sequel at several points. They tried to get a sequel made, but, um, the Bill Compton is, a, who is not Peter Boyle, played by Dennis Patrick, 
Um, he's a very rich guy, a uh, very successful guy, but his daughter, with the first screen appearance ever of Susan Sarandon. And her boobies. And her boobies, indeed. Uh, has become a drug addict. She's living with her drug uh, dealer boyfriend. Uh, and um, she overdoses, is sent to the hospital. The father goes to the boyfriend's apartment, gets get the clothes, and ends up... You know, because the boyfriend's like, yeah, whatever, you're a loser, lame ass, dad, bad dad. Yeah, man, you're the man, and, man. And kills him. And it's like, fuck. And he goes to a bar where we see Joe, who is played by, of course, young Frankenstein himself, Peter Boyle, who is a <laughs> racist, bigoted piece of shit human being. Yeah, like Archie Bunker kind of had nothing on him. <laughs> nothing on him. Archie Bunker was like microaggressions compared to this guy. Uh, and. So the rich guy's in the bar drinking with them and basically says something that is just enough information for when Joe, when he sees the newspapers the next day about this mysterious killing, puts two and two together and realizes that. Oh, hey, you're the guy. You're he, that guy. He went and murdered one of the drug dealing scum. <laughs> just and, like he had always wanted to do himself. And approaching him, like, he's like, the guy's like, oh, shit, this guy's going to blackmail me. But he's like, no, dude, you're my hero. I love you. You're great. Which leads, of course, goes on into a really weird movie with them sort of confronting, like, that world and even, like, taking drugs and getting involved in, like, a sexual liaison with hippie chicks and stuff. But then, of course, eventually ending up with extreme violence. Right, right. which which is what America wanted. <laughs> it's one of those films from the 70s that was very, like, I mean, there's a lot of films in the 70s that I'd say like this that were definitely very dark, super violent meditations on that that divide between us all at that point. Yeah, very heavy heavy-handed. <laughs> yeah, th- that is true. Um it's definitely a film I would not say it's easy to watch, but I'm glad I saw it. Yeah, no, I was I was uh, pleasantly surprised by it. Uh it was nominated for an Oscar for best screenplay uh and apparently though, this is interesting. Peter Boyle was so upset seeing the movie with audiences that they were cheering on every time there was violence mm-hmm. in the film that he said for a while he was never going to do another film that glorified violence again. That lasted for like four years. But Well, you know. it was a good run. Yeah, he eventually went, uh, like he turned down the Gene Hackman role from The French Connection, which apparently was more or less written for him. And he was which, like, nope, I don't want to do that. Which is kind of serendipitous if you think about it. Why did he say that? Well, I mean, it was like Gene Hackman was so great in that. He was. But I mean, we don't know. Peter Boyle might have been great. Well, he might have or he might not have. I don't know. His nose bugs me. You have issues with Peter Boyle's no- nose? Yes. What's what's wrong with his nose? I just don't like the shape. Yeah. It's a bad you, shape. You don't like the cut of his uh, nose? Of, of, of his <laughs> face jib. <laughs> uh, this is definitely one that, like, like I said, if you're interested in those really violent, disturbing films from the 70s, this is one you're going to want to check out. Not much extra except for the original trailer, but hey, it's worth your time. Uh, and then we go on to another film. I've been hearing about this movie, Schlock. For, since I was a kid, it was mm-hmm. just totally impossible to find. There were no copies of it. And the reason I wanted to see it is because it was the first movie by John Landis, who, of course, went on to do many, many great movies. Right. Like Trading Places, An American Werewolf in London. And he's kind of a kind of a legend in the industry. And also, even though he didn't exclusively do horror by any stretch of the imagination, he was really into, like, classic old school horror. <laughs> and this is a... A film when people back then, when they would talk about movies like Kentucky Fried Movie, they would talk about schlock in the same breath. You know? Which I could see, I could see the the similarities, but I I would not put them in the same breath. No, I mean they're definitely chasing the same type of humor. It's just Kentucky Fried Chicken is actually, or Kentucky Fried Movie is actually funny. And, yeah, and this is not very funny. Yeah, yeah, this movie annoyed me because it had that kind of like we're being super Gonzo tongue in cheek, but mm-hmm. the tongue was like in their own butthole. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Uh, this came out in 1973, and it's basically there's a, a killer they call the Banana Killer because in the small town. Like I think they were literally saying hundreds of people have been turning up dead. Yes, but the only clue is the banana peels around. So of course it's like a missing link caveman ape, which is just John, literally John Landis in a gorilla suit, <laughs> <laughs> who's killing people. And we follow like the detectives who are trying to chase him. And the movie takes a lot of very strange like. Like, I mean, it's not about telling the plot of this movie, of which that's the whole plot. Mm-hmm. Much. There's not even really relationships between any of the characters or anything, you know? No, there's there's just lots of sight gags. Yeah. Uh, the only part I thought was funny at all was there's this point where they, the the monster decides he's going to go see a movie. 
which turns into, I guess it's a film festival because every time there's like, it leaves and then comes back, it's a totally different movie playing. Mm-hmm. You know, I guess there's sort of the audiences are like thinking that they're all the same film, but they are not. But there's some funny bits in there. Like there's a bit where like a little kid has to go to the bathroom. So the monster just walks the kid out to the bathroom and then waits and then takes him back to the theater. I'm like, what the fuck is going on with this movie? Well, so it was, it was definitely a product of his time. And I kind of wonder, cause I, I, at one point, the like very uh, early on, it might even being a pre thing where it shows like you know it's listing all of these great moments in cinematic history uh, okay to be fair they did list birth of the nation <laughs> but it was like birth of a nation gone with the wind and then it was getting into like dumb stuff like love story yeah well i mean that was a huge hit at the time <laughs> right I mean, it didn't stand the test of time but it was certainly a snapshot yes uh, yeah for sure of 1973 and movies people thought would never die it's <laughs> actually just having that discussion with somebody recently who was saying um I don't think it's fair to use the argument, it's just a movie. I mean, look at movies, how much a movie can mean to you. I was like, yes, and look how much 50 years later, no one gives a shit. <laughs> yeah. Like, so really, yeah, it is just a movie. It's it's not th- that type of what you're talking about. It's just based within the eye of the beholder. Mm-hmm. It's not inherent necessarily in the film itself. Yeah, nobody gives a crap about arsenic and old lace. <laughs> uh, I saw that actually on at the Kennedy Center as a play. It was pretty damn good, hmm. for the record. Uh, anyway, this was one of Rick Baker's first job. Of course, legendary makeup artist who went on to do the award-winning and still never been topped uh, werewolf transformations in American Werewolf yeah. in London. Uh, but yeah, just making this gorilla suit <laughs> is one of his first jobs. I, I feel like he's like, yeah, I'll leave that off there as my... Um, a lot of the movies and people who were direct influences on Landis appear throughout this thing. There's even a brief Forrest J. Ackerman, uh, the founder and a publisher of Famous Monsters Magazine, who is in a store reading Famous Monsters Magazine, <laughs> uh, as well as Jack Harris, who is the film's distributor, who also produced two of apparently John Landis's favorite movies, The Blob and Dinosaurus. I don't know about dinosaurs. I couldn't tell you a thing about that. The Blob's a pretty good movie. Yeah. Yeah. It got me going when I was a little kid. Yeah. I mean, like, Landis has got a lot of weird... I'm trying to think of the term. Just things about him, like the See You Next Wednesday thing. Like, every Mm -hmm. movie he's ever made, somewhere in it, the phrases that they're seen or uttered, See You Next Wednesday. This as well, which I totally forget the origin of that now. But And then Guys in Ape Suits, which he famously said, every guy film with a guy in a gorilla suit is a great movie. (laughs) And I was like, really? Even Robot Monster? No. I don't think so. Would Rampage count? Um... Rampage? Oh, uh, no, because that's CG. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the, the one weird thing, there's a whole, like, the movie theater sequence, like, derails everything. There's another sequence with a, there's a blind pianist, and the monster, for no apparent reason, sits down next to him, and they play together, like, a two-person crazy boogie-woogie <laughs> song, and you're like, what is happening right now? Yeah, is, is this, you just wanted to see this film? I think that's what it is. There's a lot, if this is your thing, and a lot of people are, they have very fond memories of this film from their childhood. I assume you would have to be a kid to, to really, really enjoy this thing and not have seen all the better films since with this similar sense of humor. Um, there are uh, multiple language tracks, audio commentary with John Landis and Rick Baker, which is pretty cool. Uh, probably that'd be, that's probably more worth watching the movie with than the actual audio. Yeah, yeah most film. likely. Uh, trailers for the feature, a 41-minute featurette called Birth of a Schlock, which is basically just a very intense uh, conversation with Landis. Um, and then a pretty cool media book that came with it that has a full-color booklet sewn into it. I mean, it's so much stuff in this thing for fucking schlock. I don't get it. Well, I mean, so it's it's put out by Turbine, which uh, Landis is apparently the president of. And yeah. my question is, like, what the hell else are they going to put out? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, we're good question. Um, but this is... Um, yeah, I'm never going to watch this. New, no, no, and I, 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 I know a lot of people it. will be excited to know this is out, but I suspect most of them are going to be disappointed. <laughs> They're like, oh, oh man, I should let my dreams stay dreams. No, a movie that I was excited to have a nice, really well done Blu-ray of, but that I admit is a crappy movie, but it's a <laughs> crappy movie in all the best ways is Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, interesting uh, thing in one of the documentaries on uh, in this 1988 uh, uh, sci-fi horror comedy that. They were like, people either, like, came to this movie because they were fans of the band, the Dickies, which did the theme song for it, mm-hmm. or they came, or they just came to the Dickies because they were fans of the film and heard the song. Because <laughs> it's like one of the, the I, I loved that band. I actually didn't even know about this movie until I saw them live, and it was like, 
they played this song. I was like, what the fuck is that? Like, yeah, we're selling tapes. It's a soundtrack to this movie. I was like, I've got to go find this movie now. Um, uh, this is direct, written, directed, and produced by the Chiodo brothers. Lovely guys, by the way. Really, really nice people in real life who appear throughout the multitude of bonus features on this thing. This is from Arrow, so they did it up right. Uh, the idea, such as it is, is that a bunch of people in a small town are dealing with a alien spaceship that looks like a giant circus tent whose inhabitants are carnivorous, uh, giant, freaky as fuck looking clowns. Like, you yeah. thought Pennywise is freaky? Pennywise holds nothing. On these the, Pennywise is unimaginative compared to them. Yeah, these are still, like, I would argue maybe my favorite monster design, practical monster design. Yeah, I can see that. Ever. They're just really cool looking. Yeah, they're, they're a feast for the eyes. Yeah, and in fact, it was funny, one of the things... This movie got made under budget because the Chiota brothers had already made these clowns years before they ever actually got around to writing the script. They were they were more like kind of like really into Ray Harryhausen and stop motion animation and model making and stuff. And this had been like kind of a passion project, building evil clown suits for a while. That had to be fun, uh, you know, being friends with them. Like, oh god, let's not go to their place. They have all those clown things already made. Yeah, well, I don't think the the in, on the whole society had yet turned against clowns fully yet at this point. Yeah, that certainly helps. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, this movie, I think, was a key uh, a marking point of that. Yeah, fuck clowns. <laughs> uh, but this is a really goofy movie where the clowns have, like, you know, e- evil popcorn guns and evil cotton candy and evil. Like, it's all the trademarks of you think of the circus and clowns, except mm-hmm. they do dastardly things. And, uh, yeah, it's r- ridiculous. It's not even that it's, it, like... It's not scary. No, it's not even supposed to be in the mildest way scary. Uh, There's a lot of familiar faces if you watch a lot of 80s films, uh, for sure, uh, including um, the teen love, the teen girl love interest. I'm sorry, the the teenage girl, Suzanne Snyder, is the love interest here, one of the main characters. She was the teen, uh, Anthony Michael Hall's love interest in Weird Science. I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. And she was also in Night of the Creeps, Return of the Living Dead 2. And then, of course, the evil cop, because there's a good cop and there's an evil cop. That's... John Vernon, Dean Warmer <laughs> in right. Animal House, yep. uh, as well as the Mayor and Dirty Harry, uh, Fletcher in The Outlaw, Jesse Wales, and many, many other films. But yeah, this is a 4K restoration of Killer Clowns from Outer Space. I bet you even the Chiota brothers were like, are you sure? Really? Do we have to pay for it? Yeah, they're like, I, th- is anyone asking for 4K <laughs> restoration of Killer Clowns from Outer Space? I have a, a pretty great story of, of uh, Killer Clowns. Uh, uh, a friend of mine in high in college, uh, she always talked about like don't don't show me anything clown related. I, like clowns freak me the fuck out. Yeah. And then at Fair. one party, she was just looking through a bunch of VHS tapes that that my friend had, and then she pulled out uh, Killer Clowns, saw the cover, dropped it, and then ran to the apartment's uh, uh, parking lot and then hid underneath a car. Wow, for like an hour. That's an extreme case of yeah. colorophobia for sure. <laughs> yeah. That's that's a little much. Might so, want to seek therapy. Yes, yes, the definitely so. Uh, once again, this is got filled with extras, as I keep saying, because really they did this sucker up right. There's even a spe- uh, one of the specials, a ten minute thing, an interview with uh, two of the main guys of the band, the Dickies, uh, talking about like you know it, all, how all that came together and how the song is still after all these years considered to be kind of a, a minor punk classic. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a 23 minute The Chiodos Walk Among Us, which is a retrospective featuring the brothers uh, and excerpts from the many, many, many eight millimeter. Uh, <laughs> like monster movies that they made when they were kids, um, all with a very sort of Ray Harryhausen feel to them. Uh, and then you can actually watch those films in their entirety because they're all here <laughs> as well. Um, there is a 2014 piece called Bringing Life to These Things with Stephen Chiodo taking a look and a tour through the Chiodo Brothers production facility. Uh, as far as I know, these guys haven't gone back and made any more movies, but they still make props and stuff for other people. Oh, that's cool. Um, there's uh, lots of interviews with pretty much everybody, uh, which is pretty cool. Uh, there's a archival piece behind the screams with the Chiodos. There's auditions for actors to play the clowns. See that? I, I wish I had known. I would have watched that. There's uh yeah right. There's a couple two deleted scenes with optional commentaries. There's even bloopers. There is a blooper reel. There were almost never blooper reels for films that weren't Jackie Chan movies mm. from or or uh, Burt Reynolds films from this period of time <laughs> at all. 
And it was just very strange. And there's an audio commentary uh, with the Chiodo brothers. Somebody had pointed out that there's one uh, dubbing supplement called Holy Smokes uh, that was on the last DVD release from this. And it turns out it is here. It's actually a fucking Easter egg. You can believe a new, a new Blu-ray having an Easter egg on it. Nobody does that anymore. <laughs> Remember when that was a thing? Yeah, you, it was the, the secret of knowledge. And when you'd have to be on the menu screen and you're trying to push all the different directions to see mm-hmm. if it like, lights up something off the menu screen. Yeah, nobody does that anymore. I think the last people I remember doing that were the lost discs. The lost that makes discs, sense. Which they, makes, makes perfect sense. They, they got to drive excitement somehow. All right, so now we got to cover something that's a, a little less classic, to be sure, <laughs> but not anywhere near as bad as I was afraid it was going to be. In fact, I'll even give this film followers some credit for doing some things that genuinely surprised me along the way under a with the setup that seems to be all too typical. That's because the, the, they, they might as well have just been disconnected. <laughs> what do you mean? Oh, just uh, just the, the kind of resolution to it. I was like, oh, okay. All right, let's just throw this in there, guys. All right, they're connected because. Well, the, I, the story here is false two, you know, beautiful and perfect social media uh, fitness types that, like, are, you know, have a very successful show. It's mainly the girls' show, but, like, the guys also just. They're- yeah, they, they were both, like,. Social media personalities yeah. that, that that went on a date and then decided to like be perfect together. And we see that like like they're they're going out on a trip in the real woods. He's going to plan to propose to her. She he he doesn't know she's cheating on him with someone, which we know just from hearing a one sided phone call. Mm. Um, she has no idea he's going out there to propose to her. But for her, this is just more footage for her 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 show her youtube followers and they go out in the woods and lo and behold what happens some masked killers show up oh man bad news and then this being relatively early in the film it suddenly does something that did surprise me it switches and goes back to the viewpoint of said masked killers who Mm -hmm. are actually a pair of uh of youtubers themselves who are making a documentary about other youtubers (laughs) and are following these guys around one of them is a little disturbingly into the chick uh and the other one's just disturbing. Yeah, the other one's just disturbing. And it's kind of like we follow their story till it leads up to that point of them being the mass killers. And then it adds a whole nother thing <laughs> where you're like, it, it early on, it tricks you into thinking this is going to be rednecks, like, mm-hmm. like a Texas chainsaw thing or something. And it's not. Those are just asshole rednecks. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, I do have to say, though, they should have known something fucky was going to happen because they were in Florida. Well, true. You just don't go out outside of the most populated areas. No, you avoid. do not. Uh, but yeah, th- there's a whole other group of like of uh, bad guys out in the woods that for a whole other thing that I, you know, somebody out there is going to. This is all found footage, obviously. Uh, somebody out there is going to be interested in this. And this is I, I've watched so many found footage movies, and ninety percent of them suck ass. Mm. This one at least I'll give points for trying because most of them don't even try. They're That's like, true. We're not going to do anything different. It's going to play out exactly how you think it is. And this one's like, okay, it was actually trying to to like get you off your feet a bit. It wasn't terribly filmed. Even the acting was better than you expect with these. <laughs> I've never heard of this direct to DVD a found footage movie. But, I mean, I know I'm damning it with faint praise, but... Yeah, yeah, I would say it was still bad. <laughs> yeah, it's still not great, that's for sure. But, I mean, there's those people out there who do who literally watch nothing but horror films and are like, I love found footage movies. And I think those people are the people who are might actually really enjoy this. Because yeah. I'm not willing to throw it out completely. Although that pretty guy's pretty face might piss people off. It's, it's too pretty. It was too pretty. Uh, and then we have a, another bad movie, but one that I really enjoyed. And maybe it's because I haven't watched all the other Tremors sequels. <laughs> I've only watched Tremors and Tremors 2. And yeah, I haven't watched that's, that's, y- that's, that's, yeah. Okay, so I was like, oh, well, this could be fun. It's like, what, the sixth one now, uh, called Tremors, A Cold Day in Hell. Michael Gross is still the star. He's the only guy who's been in all of them. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's the powerhouse. They introduced a new regular guy in the last one, played by Jimmy Kennedy, who at first appeared like he was just another guy, and then it turned out he's his long-lost son. So yeah, now, so first off, sorry, audience, J- Jamie sorry, Kennedy. Sorry there. about that, yeah. But um, in this particular one, it moves the setting from the desert to uh, Canada, out in the cold, where a bunch of researchers were collecting ice core samples of glaciers, and a graboid appears, along with the, the new monster that was apparently introduced to in this, yeah, two yeah, movies the, ago called Ass Blasters. Yes, yes. Yeah. That, that was, I was trying to remember if it yeah. was like butt 
nuggets or like yeah. what, what the gross thing they called them. Was. Yeah, they're like they fly by methane coming out of their ass, basically. Yeah, you know, like little jet graboids. But after the graboids attack, it turns out if somebody's there is indeed familiar with the graboids and because at this point they're they're known it's not like oh i wonder if they're real it's like no they are real and bert is very famous for being this guy yes. like he's even turned the store from the first movie now into he's bought it and turned it into a convenience store slash look how awesome i am i'm the killer so guy who killed all those yeah. graboids. <laughs> museum where you can buy merch yeah exactly uh so but he and jamie kennedy get talked into going up there and then we have basically just it's another tremors film which is fine because these things largely they use practical when Whenever they can, mm-hmm. and it looks pretty damn good. I, I thought for a d- directed DVD movie, I was like, "This is pretty sweet practical," and even the CG is not bad. So, one of the girls there uh, has a connection to to the original Tremors ish, sort of. Mm-hmm. I, was she supposed to be like Kevin Bacon's kid or something? Uh, yeah, she is. Okay. The, she is the daughter of Kevin Bacon uh, from the first movie. Uh, Jamie Lee Money is the, the name of the actress who is playing her, and she's really hot too, for the record. But yeah, if you're Kevin Bacon's good. kid. You. Should be. Yeah. Yeah, come on. Good looking guy. I don't know. Did you like, did you have fun with this? Cause I, I did. I, I, I did. Really... Like, uh, th- so they set up, uh, like DARPA, which is, uh, an advanced research, like Ooga Booga laser <laughs> unicorns, uh, sort of, uh, <laughs> clandestine organization that there's a lot of conspiracy theories about. Sure. Uh, and so they introduced them into the Tremors, uh, and, Luckily, they are not actually some sort of nefarious thing. Yeah, yeah it's kind of like, because Bert is, of course, a conspiracy theorist. Yeah. And he's like, fuck you, DARPA, I know this is you. And it's like, no, it wasn't. Really. No, 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 we just, we just <laughs> but, wanted. But they kind of would like to, I mean, it's made clear, like, we would love to weaponize these fucking yeah. things. <laughs> we, we were just here to hold the world's energy supply hostage. Different thing. <laughs> totally different <laughs> conspiratorial, the diabolical thing. Um yeah, I mean, this moves fast. It's relatively short. It's got a lot of funny lines in it. It's got some hot chicks in it. It's got cool monsters. Uh, uh, good scenery. Good scenery. Yeah. yeah. It's well shot. I'm like, yeah, it's another drummer's film, but it's a, it's a halfway decent drummer's film. Yeah. You know? no, no, You're never going to recapture the surprise of the first one. And, that, and you know, without Kevin Bacon, something's always going to Yeah, be Kevin Bacon and, and Remo Williams. Re- or, oh, and, and Reba McIntyre. And Reba. I was sad Reba wasn't in yeah. it, but she's got things to do. Yeah, probably. Um, I don't know. Is she even alive? I have no idea. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's... Man, I, it was so irritating to me when they were going to do a TV show and the only guy who didn't get called was Michael Gross. It was like, you motherfuckers. <laughs> this is the one guy who's been like, yes, I will keep helping you guys keep the Tremors thing alive. And then when you actually do a new TV show, they're like, yeah, don't call that guy. Like, that was like, what <laughs> Maybe he was doing? just an amazing dick. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I, I, I mean... Not so much as they don't want to keep working with them, apparently. Well, that's um, true. Uh, yeah, this is, you know, I mean, it's a pretty s- straightforward release. There's a 14-minute making of Tremors, uh, which is, you know, also deals with sort of like the franchise in and of itself. There's a four-minute anatomy of a scene, which uh, details the first ever underwater Graboid attack in mm-hmm. all the Tremors films. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then a look at a few of the Easter eggs that are hidden away inside the market that uh, that uh, uh, Michael Gross owns in the movie, in the beginning of the film. Yeah, overall, Fun, but for hardly essential. Nah, no, definitely not. Uh, one you did not get to see that I'm going to talk about briefly here is a old Bruce Bloitation. Yes, that's a thing. Bruce Bloitation film. There was an actor after Bruce Lee died. A lot of companies were like, "Hey, you know what we should do? We should uh, find other actors with similar names or that look kind of like him that can do martial arts and market them as if they were Bruce Lee." In yeah. Hopes that these stupid Americans will just spend money on it anyway. And one of the best known of them uh, of the actors was this guy that was renamed for his career, Bruce Lee. With one E, <laughs> who does really kind of look like him, but I think the thing that makes him one of the best is he's relatively charismatic and a pretty good-looking guy overall. Uh, a lot of the guys were really like, "Wow, what are you thinking? That guy is not a star." <laughs> but this film, Bruce's Deadly Fingers, is amusing for what it is. Um, it acknowledges that he's not Bruce Lee, which is actually rare for one of these. Usually, mm-hmm. they're trying to pass him off as if he, they, he is Bruce Lee. This guy was a guy who was a student. Uh, of Bruce Lee and his Bruce Lee's ex-girlfriend is captured by some bad guys who want to take the the master's secret book of Kung Fu. Oh, man. The you Deadly Fingers stuff. Don't leave those lying around, people. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's, it's a dumb, like, cheap 70s, 1976, uh, you know, kind of half-assed martial arts film. But if you're one of those, gotta have them all, this is better than some. <laughs> Can't be better than They Call Me Bruce. 
Well, no, but that's not really the same thing. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I, I enjoyed it for what it's worth. I mean, I, I'm certainly not going to, like, I certainly wouldn't tell anybody this is a central martial arts film because it isn't. But there is some genuinely funny stuff in here. Some sort of like, what the fuck is that? A, a, a rather sizable amount of uncomfortable nudity. Okay, um, cool. Yeah, where you're like, wait, what? What is happening? You know, where it's the 70s, so there's some rapey kind of stuff that, that's hidden in there somewhere. And uh, it's a 2K restoration. Um, there's a po- photo and poster gallery. There's audio commentary uh, by expert on Bruce Lee and Bruce Blatation films. Video interviews with some of the players. Uh, at, one of the best parts is actually there's theatrical uh, list a, a series of tr- theatrical trailers for other uh, exploitation films. Yeah, Those okay. are always fun with these things like here. Um, yeah, it's um, it is what it is. I don't know. <laughs> I, I can't really recommend it, but it's it's a movie that exists, and if you care, it's out there. A much better martial arts themed in mm-hmm. part movie mm-hmm. is the brand new, uh, well, twenty seventeen film. Paradox, which is directed by Wilson Yip, who's probably, although I love him for Biozombie back in the 80s. Yeah, that was he, great. He's probably best known for Flashpoint and the Ip Man trilogy, which are obviously exceptional movies. I do have to say, I don't understand the title. Uh, no, I don't pretend. Okay, cool. So, like, because I was like, at the end, I was like, wait, but but why paradox? <laughs> well, the weird thing about this movie is that it, depending on where you see it, like the release here is is um paradox, but the that's not actually the title. The original title is Killzone Three. Yeah, Chapeau Long. Yeah, yeah. and uh, which is strange because this has nothing to do with the first two Killzones, which mm-hmm. also had nothing to do with each other. Um, <laughs> this is a thing that I think only happens in China. Chinese films, I, I guess so. But um, the only the, there is similarities. Like there's a lot of the same cast. There's kind of shades of gray. Uh, there's pregnancy and organ harvesting. There's themes that are the same, <laughs> yeah. but other than that, not really the same at all. But um, the story here: police inspector uh, Lee Chung Chi, played by Louis Ku, is uh, told that his 16 year old daughter has disappeared during her trip. Uh, to Thailand. He decides to go over there. He gets help from uh, a local Chinese direct uh, detective and his Thai colleague that bizarrely on it and in a completely unexplained and dropped off dead plot thread is a psychic uh, played oh, by Tony Ja. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, it's just the, the Tony's, you know, like Buddhist and stuff. <laughs> I mean, like they do like he's a clairvoyant or some shit. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck is this storyline? And then they just completely drop it. And they're like, okay, well, don't worry about that. As well as Tony Ja, who gets one fantastic fucking fight scene. Yes. And then they just kill him off. <laughs> Which, you know, that's, that's fine. That's all you needed. But it all ties in, like the daughter being kidnapped. It turns it ties into a very rich, uh, like uh, politician, and uh, it, with organ harvesting and stuff like that. I mean, it's a very this decade Hong Kong type cop thriller thing. Mm-hmm. But it's very well filmed. It's got some badass martial arts scenes in it. Yep. Um, it moves quickly. I mean, what are your? This is kind of up in your wheelhouse. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I wouldn't say it's it's. A, a classic or anything, but it, it's certainly worth watching, even if you just have a casual interest in these sort of things, mm-hmm. uh, because it's it's got plenty in it. Uh, it's 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 not a mind fuck by any means, but it's certainly interesting the way it handles certain things. Yeah, it, and it does those things that don't translate to here, like the title. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's plenty of moments you're like, huh? <laughs> but you know, thankfully, at a very fast 98 minutes. It moves along quickly enough that you don't worry about it too much. And every time, if things get too bogged down in, in pathos, hey, guess what? There's another spectacular martial arts. Yeah, somebody's out. getting their ass kicked. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I will say the Tony Jaw fight is probably the best one in the movie. Oh, yeah, definitely. But, um, yeah, it's 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 pretty fast. I mean, it's pretty good. And, man, it gets fucking dark towards the end. Holy yes. shit. Yes, it does. Uh, Real decisions are made, people. Yeah. Uh, there's a, a, a bunch of mini- making of featurette type things that are as always with these type releases kind of there's not much they can do for an American audience really Mm -hmm. so they're just kind of like okay well here's a couple shots with somebody narrating some stuff uh, and that's about it but I I think that this is for people who like these the the Hong Kong cop movies this is one of the better ones we've seen yeah yeah definitely Uh, one another one you did not get to see which is uh, considered by people who love wushu films to be a classic and a progenitor of the entire genre oh my Legend of the Mountain this is from 1979 Taiwanese fantasy horror mystery film 
uh, directed by, written and directed by King Hu, who was kind of the father of these type of films in a lot of ways, who did, of course, uh, Come Drink With Me, Dragon Inn, and A Touch of Zen, among many other films. But yeah, he's definitely one of the main guys who, like, sort of brought up the, the fantasy, everyone can fly, yeah. and, and, and mythology, uh, Asian films. This motherfucker is, there's cuts of this that are much shorter. Not the one I got. The one I got is the original, Running time cut, which is over well over three out fucking hours. Yipes. Ooh. Yeah. And it's gorgeous. Yes, there is no question. It's a decent enough uh, fix up. Um, and what have you. It's just there are points. I just put it on one and a half speed. I'm like, okay, let's just get to the next thing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's very scenic and there's lots of like, like worshiping the bucolic, uh, countryside mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then you know once it finally gets into the fantasy horror stuff which is definitely where movies like chinese ghost story came from like you watch a chinese ghost story you're like that borrowed a lot from this but it wasn't three hours <laughs> it was not three hours it follows a young scholar who uh, has been given the task of translating some very rare buddhist uh, sutras uh and he's like well i'm not even religious so i don't know if i, I, I don't know if i'm the right guy for this but hey i need the money so uh the Temple monk says, well, hey, there's this little town. It's it's across the mountains. Go there. No one will bother you. It's really quiet. And it'll give you time to really concentrate and do this right. So he goes on there. And then there are people there. It's largely abandoned. But there's like, like, he ends up in a situation where he is... They make him really drunk, this mother and her daughter. Like, they keep feeding him wine. He's like, no, 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 I'm not good with alcohol. Oh, man. And then he wakes up him. the next day, and she's like, I can't believe you took advantage of me. He's like, I did what? What? It's like, well, now we have to get married. It's like, wait, what? And there are, of course, demons. And then there's some ghosts who are more sympathetic as well. Mm-hmm. And then there's super monks flying around doing stuff. And I don't know. It's fun. I just, this could have lost an hour and a half of its running time <laughs> easily. But as a, as a, you know, a thing that you go, wow, this was a... A big thing in history, and as it was, it's not a boring three and a half hours if you're prepared for it. Uh, I was, because the first thing I do whenever I put in a movie is check running time. How long are we going to be sitting here? Um, but yeah, anybody who loves these kind of films, you should totally pick this up. Uh, there is a new video essay by uh, critic and filmmaker David Carnes about... pretty sizable about the history of wuxia films and where this fits inside of it. There's a new interview with Asian cinema expert Tony Raines that's basically the same thing, just from a different point, slightly different take on it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then there's a collector's booklet uh, with archival writing and imagery from the film. Yeah, it's obviously not everybody's thing. But I, I, by the end, I was like, "Ah, oh, glad I saw that." Actually, nice. Yeah, I'm still waiting for somebody to to give the re- restoration and release of uh, Evil Cult. I need I need to watch that damn movie again. I don't think I've ever seen that one. Uh, I'll try to I'll try to find my copy for you. It's gently pretty great. Okay, yeah. Was that 80s? Yeah, yeah. Was, yeah, when Jetly was, was at his at his top form, mm-hmm, peak mm-hmm. Lee. Here he's retired. Yeah, and people saw that the other day. Yeah, and people are uh, speculating that he's got cancer or something just because of a picture that they they posted a, uh-huh. an event he was at. Is like, no, nah, guys, the dude is allowed to age. Yeah. <laughs> uh, our next movie is actually my pick of the week. I thought this was a really spectacular uh, German film called In the Fade that came out la- uh, last year. Um, competed for the Palme d'Or at Cannes, where Diane Kruger, the lead actress, won a Best Actress Award. It was the German entry for Best Foreign Language Film, uh, making the shortlist, but not ultimately nominated, although it did win the Golden Globe Award for Best Foreign Language Film, mm-hmm. which I thought was actually very deserved. It was, I believe, I believe, it's, it's been long enough now, I don't remember, but I believe it was my pick for Foreign Language Film for, for last year. Nice. Strangely named after a song of the same name by Queens of the Stone Age, director Faith Aiken is really into them. Uh, <laughs> And they got Josh Hom, the singer of the band, to write the score to the movie. Now, don't let that turn you off. This is actually not a rock and roll type of movie. No, no, it's not. It's not the Eagles of Death Metal no, by any means. It is not. Uh, she plays uh, Katja. She's married to a Kurdish man. Uh, they have a five-year-old son. They live in Hamburg. Um, she met when she was kind of a young party girl. But now, you know, I mean, they're despite the fact that neither one of their parents were happy about it, everything they have. The, the kid, he, they both went straight, uh, um, and their lives are pretty normal. But one day she drops her son off at her husband's office. When she comes back, discovers that a terrorist has exploded a bomb, and her husband and son were killed by said bomb. Done blowed up. Uh, they 
relatively quickly discover that who it was, some neo-Nazis in the area. And she's like, the whole middle sequence of the film is basically the trial. And mm-hmm. she's more and more horrified by how badly things are going based on mistakes, essentially, and a witness that just flat out lies. Yes. Um, and then it turns into a Katya is going to get her some revenge one way or the other movie, which, you know, right there, that's the selling point for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's like revenge movies are always the best, but there's a, there's definitely more than enough sort of like subtext and drama that's really good going on here to make it more than just a revenge movie. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I think it's safe to say that we're in a political climate globally mm-hmm. where the, the actions that were taken in this movie are frightening and not that big of a, a, a stretch of the imagination. Mm-hmm. Uh, and something that Europe has to deal with far more than we yeah, do. And, and is. <laughs> and uh, I really don't want that shit coming over. I mean, I mean, it has. The, the terrorism yeah. in, in that localized, small, right. pointless form. Yeah. Not that there's a point to the terrorism other than fear, but. Right. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like, yeah. it's, it's, it was definitely a. Uh, it makes it feel very realistic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, this is a dark, dark movie uh, with. A performance is so strong that, like you, that she's so motivated to see justice done one way or the other that you are on her side a thousand percent. And and <laughs> oddly, like uh, when she speaks English, whoa, where what happened to an accent? <laughs> well, she's um, it's weird that she wouldn't choose to use an accent because she actually is not like English is not her first language. Mm-hmm. But she's an actress who's worked in American film and, uh, okay. for a long time. Because like when she would speak English, it was like, damn man, that is that is awesome. Uh, yeah, she was. Uh, she played Helen in Troy. Uh, she was in National uh, Treasure. She was in Inglorious Bastards. Uh, she was in Unknown. She played the, one of the two leads in that show, The Bridge. I mean, she's been in a lot. lot oh, of right. Yeah. yeah that's maybe we're okay. Know yeah. Um, yeah. I think she's actually pretty incredible. I'm yeah. a really big fan of her as an actress. But this is maybe her best performance in anything I've seen by her. And uh, it's a great, damn good movie. Yeah, let's just say ending. Oh, yeah. It's got one. Oh, yes, it does. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, and surprisingly, because a lot of foreign films that come over like this that aren't old classics don't come with a lot of bonus features. And sure enough, most of the stuff on here are just little EPKs, like interviews behind the, behind the scenes of various aspects of it. So they're all short, but it is here, which is more than a lot of these usually offer. Uh, interviews with the writer-director, things like that. So it's not a huge amount. It probably totals up to less than, like, ten minutes of little tiny things, but hey, at least there's something. But you got it. Yeah, you still got it. Um, you've got it. And then we have our la- our uh, next to last movie, but the last one you saw, Please Stand By. Now, I'll admit, full disclosure, the main reason I wanted to see this was because it has it's kind of about Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm th- that level of Trekkie. I'll watch it if with even a tertiary re- relationship. Uh, Please Stand By actually is about uh, Dakota Fanning, playing a young lady with autism on a severe level. Mm. So not like, you know, that person who... <laughs> but like but still somewhat is, functional. Yeah, she's still somewhat functional, but she still has to live in a home the center for with to get assistance. Her sister, uh, played by Alice Eve, uh, another Star Trek connection, um, feels guilty all the time about the fact that she's not taking care of her sister herself, who she has a very close relationship with. I'd say she feels... Kind of guilty. Yeah, she feels kind of guilty. She feels more guilty as the film goes along. Uh, but Dakota Fanning, her character's name is Wendy. Uh, she's the institute's run by very caring and kind Tony Collette, who, man, is having a hell of a, like, last couple of years. Hell yeah, Holy she shit. is. Um, and she's, Wendy is very excited because she's a big Star Trek fan. She kind of relates everything in her head to Star Trek on some level. And she's been writing this mega script for a Star Trek episode that runs at, like, 400-some pages. <laughs> um that is like her dream is they're going to have a contest where they're actually accepting outside scripts and she wants to win that contest. So she's sure she's going to so sure nothing else matters. And even to the point where the deadline is missed to send it. So she's like, well, fuck it. I've got to bring it there. So she runs away from the home and decides she's going to hit the road and she's going to make it out there and hand delivered as well, which I kind of unfortunately ended with, the punchline of one of the oldest jokes in the fucking world. Mm-hmm. Like literally how they resolve the scenario at the end is like, that is one of the oldest punchlines that exists. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I heard that when I was in middle school, it was like, wow, not terribly original writing, but 
there's some really decent moments in this thing. I think uh, everybody did gives a good performance. The high point of the whole thing is the point where the, you know, the family is all looking for her and they're kind of narrowing down where she is. And uh, a, a, two cops, one of them is Patton Oswald, actually find her cowering in an alley. And they know her background and her story and what she's out there for. And Oswald's like... As, is a closeted nerd and is embarrassed about it and doesn't want his partner to know, but realizes, okay, I got to do this. So he starts talking to her in Klingon, which of course she's capable of answering. And they have a whole conversation in Klingon. It's actually very sweet. I even kind of teared up a little bit while watching it. Like I whole- did not. <laughs> However, <laughs> but it's a very funny scene. I, think. Uh, I, I really like seeing Marla Gibbs. Yeah. Like seeing Marla Gibbs. And I, I, I was just uh, a big fan of her. Uh, what was it? Two, two, seven. Yeah, because she played the maid on on the Jeffersons, right. and then she did two two seven. Uh, I don't know. Just always super loved her, and so just seeing her randomly was like, yeah. Mm. There's a lot of familiar faces in here. Where I'm like, where do I know them from? And it was mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, you look. Yeah, everybody was in something, but you know, strangely, not really much in the way you would think a film like this, like relatively big production, even had a theatrical distribution. There'd be some actual Star Trek actors in this thing, other than <laughs> Alice Eve, who I barely counts. Mm-hmm. She was in one movie that most of us would rather pretend never would happen. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, no, you're right. Uh, uh, plenty of faces to know. I, I don't know. I wasn't, I wasn't super in love with it. No, I don't, I wouldn't say I was either, but I definitely found it kind of charming, uh, albeit like predictable material. There's nothing in here that's going to surprise you. But it's it's a pleasant enough watch. You can watch it with your mom. Yeah, well, and I'm getting to a point in my life where I hate Dakota Fanning less and less. You know, there's just there's <laughs> just realize, no reason for that. What was the hate? What started the hate? Uh, signs or not uh, signs? What, signs? Which, what the, movie was she in? That was. I mean, I'm sure she's been in things that I'd be like, okay, I don't like that. Yeah, uh, just like very early. War of on, the Worlds. Yes. Cat in the Hat. Yes, no, definitely War of the Worlds too. Uh, just Twilight like, Saga. <laughs> just, just the little kid. Just, I was like, dude, I hate you for life. I thought she was great in this, and actually been enjoying her on the Alienist as well, the TV series. Uh, and then if you go all the way back to Man on Fire when she was a little girl, she was actually that's a great movie. Remember that one, the Tony Scott Denzel Washington one? Oh, yeah, like, yeah. Like, oh yeah, that Tony Scott Denzel Washington movie. That one. <laughs> Which one of the seventeen is that? <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, it just, just, she pissed me off early on. Well, so you're I, starting I, to go like, you know what? Maybe I can let that go. Yeah. Just kind of like, ah, uh, you know, I should focus on other things to hate. I admit, I kind of, I think her sister might actually be a better actor than, actress than she is. Oh, Ellie Fanny. Ellie Fanny. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd agree. Uh, there's four deleted scenes in here. Um, there's a, uh, six and a half minute making of featurette, uh, and just a trailer, not a lot, lot extra. The last thing that we're going to talk about today is one I did not, I didn't even have the disc to give you, uh, cause I just got it like two days ago. I Dude. literally today watched the whole thing. F you. F you. Well, it is DuckTales. Woo! <laughs> I never really watched the original DuckTales. This is the new series, and it's actually the second DVD that they've put out so far. There's the first half of the first season is available in one. They did not bother sending that to me. Mm, this one, mm, the second shameful. half, they did. But I've been meaning to watch it. Um, our buddy Bo is super, super into anything to do with Scrooge McDuck. Oh. And uh, he, I don't know It's because he, he always wants to wear spats, and he can never figure out a reason. <laughs> he never can figure out a reason. No one should have a good reason to wear spats in real life. Um, but yeah, following Scrooge McDuck and occasionally Donald and, of course, really focusing on Huey, Dewey, and Louie, his, mm. his nephews, Donald's kids, and then... Uh, I thought they were Donald's nephews also. Oh, I thought they were Donald's kids. No, they're, they're, no, 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 they're, 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 they're originally his nephews. Okay, well, I think they changed it where they're Donald's kids because one of the running what? things in here is Donald's wife. Donald and his wife used to be big adventurers along with our Uncle Scrooge. Mm-hmm. And now Donald's kind of despondent and doesn't want to have anything to do with it oh, because man. his wife disappeared slash died. Uh, and that's one of the running things. Shit's getting the, real. Is that like, there's like little things where they're like, oh, wait, maybe this is some, maybe this person knows what happened to, to my, my mom, you know? And there's, there's a, there's a, uh, a, a character, uh, Webby Vanderquack, uh, voiced by the wonderful Kate McCucci, who is kind of of the, th- of the, of the ducklings, the primary character, I would say. They okay. definitely put her front and center. And she's good. I, I like her and great voices. I mean, David Tennant 
kicking it as Scrooge McDuck. Holy I'd imagine shit. so. He's so born to do that part. Danny Pudi from Community is Huey Duck. Ben Schwartz. Oh, good old uh, Benny from, Schwartz. Uh, uh, Parks and Rec, I believe. Yeah. Uh, as Dewey. And Bobby Moynihan from Saturday Night Live as Louie Duck. Well, that's hilarious because, I mean, that's that's a bunch of, like, uh, comedy bang-bang alums. Mm-hmm. Like, all just getting to do Disney, which it was bound to happen, I suppose. <laughs> Everybody wants to do Disney. I mean, everybody's like, oh, yeah. I mean, for one thing, it pays really well to do voice yeah. work for Disney. I mean, it's one of the best voice acting jobs you can get. And two, there's always going to be a certain amount of, like, you know, what's the word? A prestige associated with being put on a high-level Disney project. And sure. television, DuckTales was kind of one of the most successful things they ever did. Yeah, yeah. Tailspin couldn't hold a candle to it. <laughs> um, they keep hinting in the season that maybe we'll see some duck, Darkwing Duck. And all we see at one point is, like them watching the TV show, Darkwing Duck. <laughs> well, like, when there's trouble, you call DW. That, that, is that what you do? Okay. Yeah. Um, but I did enjoy all, all of these things. Um, it, like I said, it's just a few, a few there's like an a, a Egyptian pyramid thing that they go into where they find a bunch of mummies who aren't really mummies. They're living mummies who, oh. worship, who worship a actual mummy who's not alive, but is being controlled by one of them. Oh, um, there's a the summit of, they go up basically Everest, which is Mount Neverest, nice. uh, which somehow involves wormholes and teleporting. Don't ask a lot of yeah. these have that thing where it seems like it's one type of episode. And then it turns out it's something else. There's like a golf tournament episode that like half the episode is just a golf tournament <laughs> against Miss Scrooge's like nemesis. Who's never managed to beat him at the yearly tournament. And then all of a sudden they are kidnapped by two, my little ponies that are actually, uh, like water, uh, like water fairies, like okay. the kinds that grab you, try and uh, seduce you, and drown you. Like a sylphie or a, something. Yeah, sylphie. It's a running joke that the the ponies are constantly trying to trick them into letting them drown them. <laughs> I said, like, "What the fuck?" And bring them into a, a mystical land of the druids for the never before defeated druids golf championship. Uh, there's a lot of weird shit like that in here, but it's fun. It's got great voices, and the second half collection is the one that we finally get Lin-Manuel Miranda in it, where he plays Gizmodo Duck. Yeah, but from what I understand, you can't actually watch his episodes. Like, they've been sold out for quite a while. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But you can see a bootleg. You know, <laughs> they're all over YouTube, of varying quality. All right, so that's, that's that. I still hate the fact that animation... TV shows appear to be the only thing that they say, let's just put it out in parts on home release instead of just putting out the whole fucking thing in mm. one season. I don't know why that's a tradition, but here it is still happening. Um, digital noise. Thank you very much, Joe, for joining me. I'll be back in really like sometime next week, I believe, or maybe not even next week. It depends on when he's ready, but for another one with Joe or with John, and then very shortly after that, another one with Aaron, because both those guys are out with stacks. So there you you're go. You're going to get a lot of digital noise right in a row. Hope you enjoy it. Hope you found some stuff to check out. Please always leave your thoughts and feelings and comments in the comment section on the page. Um, I will always appreciate hearing what you guys think. And also, once again, be a subscriber. You want to keep hearing these things. That's how it's going to happen. Cause I mean, this isn't an hour of our lives to do this show. This is an hour plus all the time to watch all these (laughs) movies. (laughs) This this is a full work week. Yeah. And then I write notes out and there's all kinds of stuff. So yeah. Anyway, hope you like it. Uh, And uh, Jay, do you want to tell anybody where to find you online or anything? No, don't find me. Don't find him. (laughs) You'll never find me. I'll find you.